Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, I'm, I'm not that good at directions, okay? Confession time. But so things like Google Maps has just been wonderful for me. You know, not only does the line tell me where to go, but it actually speaks to me and says, go that way, then go that way. Uh, but in my hopelessness, I actually have to say, I still sometimes get confused. And it's actually when I'm walking along, and like I plug in, you know, I want to find out this particular cafe. And I don't know why it is, but it's, you know, when I'm standing still, and then, you know, I plug in, you know, the walk option, and then I just can't work out, am I going in that direction of the arrow or that direction of the arrow? And I walk that way and then I walk that way and then I finally find out I'm 500 metres further away than where I should be. But, um, you know, leaving my incompetency aside, Google Maps has been excellent. Gives us help, gives us clarity on the direction we should go. Now, a word to all Christians and about Christians, it's natural enough that we want clarity on the way we should go in life in making decisions. You know, what is God's will for my life? You know, we want direction because firstly, making decisions is hard, right? Making decisions can be hard. You know, should I spend all this money on this new car or should we give some of this money away to support overseas mission work? Uh, should Should I do this degree or should I just keep going with this work? And on top of that, when we're Christian, we know that God is personal, that God is with us, and so God is for us. And so it sort of increases our expectation that God would reveal himself uh, in life and the decisions we make. Now, we covered this last week, but God is so completely sovereign that we can recognize that God's will you know, is for our life when, it seem, when God's will seems to align with our will. You know, I get, a, I get the dream job. Yeah, God's will aligns with uh, my will. But the thing is that God's will is there even when it doesn't align with our will. And I say this soberly and I say this in love for those who are going through these type of things. But uh, cancer, 
and motor vehicle accidents and acute pain and marriage breakdown uh, and wayward children and getting bullied. The list goes on. God is holy and he is apart from all evil. People are responsible for their actions, but that is all God's will in action too. Our loving God does not waste anything. We looked at Romans 8 last week where it says, In all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, that's all foundation for the rest of this series. But I want to make it clear where this series is going. See, does God have a specific plan for your life? Yes. Can you be assured that God works for the good of those in Christ Jesus? Yes. Can you often look back and retrace the hand of God who's brought you about to where you are now in life? Yes. Uh, Does God have a secret will for your life that he expects you to figure out before you make decisions? No. So you can read so many things about finding out God's will for your life and there are tips like uh, look for open doors, look for God's slamming doors, go through discernment process where you listen for God's voice in your heart, look for God's signs where he's trying to get your attention, be aware of how certain decisions lead to your happiness, notice Bible passages that keep popping up, it goes on. And all that's almost standard practice for discerning God's will And what we're about to launch into now is a number of reasons why those approaches are not helpful. Why they just add to the burden of making decisions. And then at the end, I'll tell you what God's will is for your life. How about that? I'm going to be up here and I'm going to tell you what God's will is for you. So get ready for that one. So here's a series of things that makes, us, uh, makes our search for knowing God's secret will actually not very helpful. Firstly, there seems to be this preoccupation with needing to know the future. You know, that's why people do horoscopes, right? Will I meet the love of my life? Uh, will this work, uh, job work out for me? We're fascinated by what the future might hold. More to the point, I think a lot of us get very anxious about what the future might hold. Uh, We tend to be quite consumed with tomorrow's meeting, tomorrow's presentation, that interview. Uh, We we get anxious, don't we? Our thoughts run in all sorts of uh, uh, obsessive ways about all the sorts of different possibilities and how they might play out. Uh, Now, the Bible talks a lot about actually our obsession with the future. Now, Kerry just read a passage there from Jesus about do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will look after itself and how God loves us. Uh, Here's another passage. Here's another word from the book of James where it says, Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, "If it is the Lord's will, we will live and and do this or that." 
Now, God's word is pretty clear. It's just that we can struggle with this, can't we? It's realizing who we are before our sovereign God. You know, if only I live one more year, that is God's will. If I live for 40 more years, uh, that is God's will. If I don't get that job, that is God's will. If I go to the shops and I'm after tomato sauce because we've got a barbie happening and my friends are coming over and they've run out of tomato sauce, well, that is God's will. We, we don't, as we go about life, we don't have to add if it's God's will to the end of every sentence, but it's surely got to be the truth on our hearts. We're not in control. So how much of trying to work out God's will for our lives is us trying to get control? God is not a crystal ball. He is our Lord. God is not our crystal ball. He's not a magic eight ball. He's our Lord and in Christ uh, we are in his sovereign loving hands as we walk into the future to not be anxious but to trust is what we're commanded to do. So we're talking about what can be so unhelpful in wanting to know God's personal will for my life. Um, Here's the second thing. It can be about avoiding personal responsibility. See, we can use all sorts of Christian-y spiritual language in terms of God's will when in fact it's our way to dodge the decisions we need to make. See, apparently when you become a Christian, there's all sorts of new ways you can develop, you can take on for saying no to someone. Okay? I'll give you this list. Check it out. Uh, Instead of saying no, you can say, I don't think it's God's will. I'm being led in a different direction. I don't feel peace about it right now. I don't feel very like I'm being prompted. God has a different assignment for me. I'm not feeling the Lord's, uh, the Spirit's leading. Let me pray about it. But in other words, I'm just going to say no. The point is when someone asks you to do something and you don't want to do it, you can just say no. You know, it's ha- it actually has been known that young guys, young Christian guys have been rejected, not so much by a girl, but by God, because the guy asks, would you like to go out with me? And the girl says, no, I prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit says, no. Ouch. Not only being rejected by the guy, being rejected by the Holy Spirit. You know, she could just say, thanks, but no thanks, I'm not interested. The point of this is, yes, God is sovereign. He's directing our life. But we shouldn't dodge personal responsibility. We can say no to things. We can say yes to things. What's not Helpful is couching our language in spiritual, knowing will of God type language that puts our decisions actually beyond criticism because you know it's God who told me. It puts a stopper to any accountability, any further conversation. This is a problem in discovering God's secret will for our lives. Here's something else. There can be this over-reliance on how we feel as we discern what God wants us to do. Now, we're human beings with feelings, okay? And sometimes decisions are just subjective. We get a hunch. We get a gut feeling about something. There's nothing wrong with that. Say you go for a job interview, and out of the interview, 
you know, your spotty senses tell you, actually, I don't think I want to work for this guy. That's okay. But it's when we equate our feelings with discerning God's secret will for our lives. Let's not make our feelings the determiner for everything. See, just some big decisions are a little bit scary, right? You know, when I was 21, I moved from Brisbane to Canberra. I didn't know a single person in that city. It was all very big and looming in my mind. Did I have this overwhelming sense of peace in my heart through it all? Well, well, probably not. But I, I headed towards this full-time job, and it seemed to me a good job. So I decided that's what I should do. You know, I proposed to Kirsty um, after going out for six months. Uh, was that a little bit of a scary prospect for the future? Well, yes. But we were two committed Christians, and we talked about what actually marriage means for us, for our commitment for life for each other. My point is, if we just equate peace in our hearts with the measure of God, what God wants us to do, I don't think we'd do a lot of things. Feeling good and comfortable about our future could just be an excuse for sitting on our hands and doing nothing. And I mentioned this last week, but I think this plays into what goes on for a whole bunch of people. It's noticed right across our culture that big decisions in life are now being delayed further and further and further down the road. You know, because, you know, you want the dream job that brings fulfillment. So you just don't ever commit to a real job until you feel good about it. Uh, You want the perfect life partner. And with all the thousands and even millions of people you can meet online, you just don't commit to anyone. You know, it's about finding happiness and fulfillment and freedom. Um, You know, just to put it into perspective, you know, my grandparents' generation, you know, choosing a career was about just taking a job that some local business person offered you. Your spouse came from a dozen or so eligible single people that were sort of in your circle. Being fulfilled was rather foreign language. It was more about putting food on the table and serving your family. You know, we think differently about big life decisions now, don't we? Marriage, career. Problem is Christians can equate getting good feels with our decisions as finding God's will for ourselves. But if that's how we go approaching decisions, it's just all subjective. How do you ever really know? I think it can rob us of having confidence in God for the future, and we just don't make decisions. Here's one more problem in this way of discerning the will of God. We end up always focusing on non-moral decisions. You know, as people talk about God leading them and God opening the door and God shutting doors and and God prompting them to take a direction, notice it's always about the job. It's about moving to that city, taking up that position. Now, God does care for us. He cares for every detail in our lives. But in God's book... The focus is not on whether you're a plumber or a politician. The focus is not on whether you're a manager or a maintenance worker. See, what it does talk about is your character. 
It talks about pursuing justice and mercy. It has lots to say about uh, your honesty. It has lots to say about don't be a selfish jerk, but actually look out for others. See, check out this passage from the Old Testament. It comes from Moses' speech in Deuteronomy where it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. See, God's secret sovereign will, we don't know. But his revealed will in his word, the gospel of Jesus, what he tells us to do, his law, his word, what it means to follow him, we do know. And it seems to me that in our focus for in non-moral decisions, we have we actually have no idea about the consequences of what God is doing. You know, we think, you know, we think certain decisions are big. You know, in my life, I remember uh, getting all worked up and doing all this research about, you know, choosing the course I would do. And I did a science degree, thinking I'd become a, a school teacher. Well, obviously, God had other plans with that. We thought that, you know, I thought that was going to be a big decision. But then someone else, you know, they make a small decision. You hop in the car, you go to the shops, you get some milk, you drive through an intersection, and then someone T-bones you with their car, and life really does change for you. We don't even know which are the big decisions in life. God loves his people. He is for our good. And he works in all the details. But let's have a greater focus on what he does reveal to us. And now this leads me to telling you what God's will is for your life. Remember I said I would tell you what God's will is for you. But it's not because I have special powers. It's because, like Deuteronomy says, God has revealed things to us. Uh, there, there are four problems with trying to discern God's will. Well, I'm just going to give you four things for what God's words actually, what God's will actually is for us. First and foremost, have faith in Jesus and repent. This is God's will. That Jesus sent His Son into this world. Jesus came to die for us. He rose again. He is Lord of all. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he said this many times, but he said it like this, I've declared to both Jew and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Uh, when he says faith in our Lord Jesus, it's not a blind leap in the dark. It's not, you know, uh, faith despite the evidence. No, no, get to know the man of history, Jesus, and then it is to trust in him, trust in his death for you, his resurrection to life, that he is your hope, that you can't be good enough for God, but Jesus provides a way, trust in him. And repentance is the flip side of trust. It's not a feeling. You know, you can feel something and not do anything about it. See, repentance is a turning of your mind and will that you're not going to live for yourself, but you will live for him. You know, going back to the GPS thing, I mentioned at the very start, you, you know, with GPS, you know, you can plug in the directions you want and then you can click on, you know, car, public transport, walking, you know, all those things. 
Um, and depending on what you choose, you know, it'll come up with a different route. But in coming to faith in Jesus and you repent, it's not like God gives you a different route to get you to the destination where you want to go. Repentance means that you let God come up with the destinations as well. Because repentance means that God dictates, God dictates what is valuable and what is worthy and what is good and what is obedience to him. Your life is put on a new direction. This is living and walking in God's will. Now, repentance isn't just one initial thing either. Yes, you start the Christian life with repentance and you keep going with repentance. And it's how we keep going in God's will. So here's something else. Walking in the will of God is our sanctification. Sanctification is a word that means basically God's work in us to make us holy and to make us more holy. Check out this from 1 Thessalonians. For you know what what commands we gave you uh, through the Lord Jesus, for this is God's will. See that? This is God's will. Your sanctification that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. God's will isn't hard to work out when you know Jesus, when you have faith in him and you repent, where to live sanctified lives. In what area does this word talk about sanctification? It says, keep away from sexual immorality. Christian, you got to stop watching porn. Christian, you got to stop sleeping with your girlfriend. And if a husband ever says, and I've, I've never heard this personally myself, which I'm glad for, but I've heard of stories like this. If a husband ever says, God has told me that I should leave this hard marriage and just go with this other woman who will be my devoted, loving wife, God has told me that. Well, that's selfishness cloaked in very spiritual sounding language. This is his own will. That's not God's will. Here's something else we're told about God's will. And I'm just giving a few examples of Bible passages which use the language of God's will. There's actually plenty of examples. Here's something else. We're to rejoice, pray, give thanks. Check out these words. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Christians, we're not to be fake. Pretending life is awesome when we're struggling. But Christians are to be people of joy and prayer and thankfulness. Sadly, I do meet people who seem to be just grumpy and complaining. Always they're just talking about how busy they are, how wrong they've been, how they're not happy with life and work and kids and church. On the other hand, I'm encouraged when I spend time with, and I'm, I'm thinking of older Christian brothers and sisters, and you know, their health is declining, they're slowing down, and they can't do all the things they used to do. Aches and pains seem to be part of their life, but still, they express joy. They talk about praying for their church, and praying for me, and praying for church leadership, and praying for those in their growth group. It's so good. 
It's living according to God's will. And here's one more way for walking in the will of God. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. So have a look at this from Paul's words to the Ephesian church where it says there, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're commanded here to understand what the Lord's will is. But looking at these words, to understand what the Lord's will is, you don't have to wait to feel a tingly sensation go up your spine. Um, You don't have to go through some discernment process where you hear God's voice in your heart. Actually, reading on, we're told God's will. If you're a Christian who gets filled with alcohol and gets drunk, you're to stop that. Um, Instead, we're to be filled by the Holy Spirit, which means here speaking the truth of the gospel to one another in music, in song, and in praising God with all our heart, you know, in music and in song. Uh, Christian, I want to say this, uh, it sounds like getting here early enough next Sunday before 8.30 or 10.30 so you can be there for the very first song is God's will for your life. I'm just saying. So many clear ways that the Bible gives us for knowing the will of God. Faith and repentance, our sanctification, rejoice, prayer, thankfulness, and being filled with the Spirit. Uh, Today is about walking in the will of God. Simply put, God's will for you is to repent, to believe in Jesus, and then keep on living as his disciple in Christ's likeness. And God promises to be with us, to be for us, working all things out for our good, that we might be conformed to the image of his son. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't sound all that, I don't know, mystical or exciting. It's not quite like God giving you a word, God prompting you in a direction, you hearing God speak to you in your heart, God giving you signs. You know, that may sound more exciting. You know, what I'm talking about is everyday, normal stuff of obedience. But I want to say this, in this world of sin... And Satan, and temptation, and darkness, there's actually nothing more exciting than knowing the love of God in Christ and living for him, dying to self, seeking first the kingdom of God, filled by the Spirit, living for Jesus, the life of sanctification. That is actually very counter-cultural, spiritual adventure to live. And it's actually very freeing because we can get on with making decisions. God's secret sovereign will is he's going to keep on working for our spiritual good in all the detail. And his revealed will 
is that we follow Christ today and every day in faith and repentance. Let's do that together, church. So let's just pray together now. Let's do that. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for we thank you again for your commitment, your love to us. Thank you for your promise, your promise to work in all things, to work for the good of those who love you in Christ Jesus, to conform us to the image of your Son. Thank you for your sovereign will, that you're sovereign and you are our loving shepherd. And help us to keep turning uh, again and again, day by day, back to your will. Uh, thank you for Christ, our Saviour and King. Thank you that he died on the cross and he rose again. And we're, and we're called in to believe in him and follow him, repent. And may we live uh, daily lives of repentance, that we pursue Christ-likeness, that we would pursue obedience, that we would want our lives to be conformed to your will. And again, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are in control. We are, you're in control of our present. You're in control of our future. And Father, thank you that we can trust in you. Help us to daily keep trusting in you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.